Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. As a keeper, like what is the type of situation that is one of your favorite like type of saves? I mean, I love all saves, but for me, it's 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 a game winning save, right? Like, so regardless of what kind of save it is, if my team is up one nothing or it's a tie game, and you know it's the last play of the game and they get a great chance and you make a big save, like that's a big moment, right? Like you just you just you want your team the game or you saved your team from losing the game uh so i think it's more the the moment rather than the say this podcast is brought to you by livemomentous.com leading the way in human performance is live momentous for listening today you get a discount at checkout enter the code drb20 that's drb the number 20 for 20 percent off your order live momentous Optimize, perform, recover. So our guest today is professional footballer. He is uh, the goalkeeper for Jamaican national team and the El, pa- El Paso locomotives. Vamos El Paso. Uh, he's played two seasons professionally for uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. He attended and was goalkeeper at UConn and Fairleigh Dickinson. Our guest today, I'm excited for this conversation is uh, Jamali Waite. Jamali, my man, thanks so much, bud, for taking the time. Yeah, happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So a lot of times on these podcasts, we kind of ease into, you know, the conversation. But yeah. Because I was going to congratulate you first on your engagement, Thank which is you. awesome. <laughs> yep. And um, what, tell us about that. Like, how did that engagement, um, not the backstory with it, because I'm going to lead into that, but how did the actual engagement, how did you propose? How did, how was that set up? Uh, so, you know, I kind of, we, we went to Jamaica the week, the week after that. So the plan was to do it in Jamaica, uh, but everyone was kind of expecting it to happen in Jamaica. So I kind of, I kind of wanted, you know, you know, throw a little, little loophole in it. And so we had, she, her friend is a photographer. So we had that, our friend wanted to take pictures with us at the art museum, art museum in uh, DC. So we had planned that a while back to go there. Uh, so like a week, a week before, a couple of days before I messaged her friend on Instagram and say, Hey, you know, I know you didn't plan for this, but I kind of want to propose to Kelsey at the, the photo shoot. And yeah, we kind of just, you know, planned on doing it then. And, yeah, she she didn't really expect it, so that was the good thing. Nice, but yeah, yeah, photographer there is perfect, man. <laughs> That's what I said. If I we did it in Jamaica, I would have to take my own photos. Yeah. So did uh, like right before you proposed, did you get did you get nervous at all? I was. So we had to drive to DC. Uh so like the whole ride there was me, her, and her friend, obviously in the car. I was driving, so I was kind of like quiet the whole time, and you know they were just. They were talking and I was just listening out charming every once in a while. But, you know, the, I think the drive there kind of kind of helped a lot. Like me, like I didn't really have to talk. Like, obviously, I'm driving. I'm focusing on that. 
But, you know, like leading up to it, I was nervous. But in my in my heart, in my head, I knew she was going to say yes. So, you know, it was just, just yeah, I was yeah. very happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny, man. Because we uh, ours got photoed as well, but I was in an amusement park, man, when I proposed. So <laughs> a lot more pressure for you now, man. That's awesome, though, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, the reason why I say we kind of eased in this conversation because I was talking with you about hinge moments and and that is, you know, what is that one moment, one person, one event that makes all the difference in our lives that connects who we are with who we become. And right. she was a hinge person for you. Talk about talk about that moment and and that relationship and and how she was a, a hinge for you. Yeah. So I mean, uh obviously growing up, you know, in Jamaica and all that, I my mom always made sure I went to church every Sunday. And, you know, once I came here, I kind of, you know, I still prayed. I still read my Bible every once in a while. I, I read the Bible up on my phone. I never actually had a Bible. But, you know, once I met her and in meeting her, the first, you know, we we talked about one of her first questions was she asked what was important to me. And obviously I said, you know, my career and, you know, all that. And for her, her thing was the Lord. That's, that's her like most important thing in her life. And, you know, since I met her, I've kind of, you know, narrowed in more on my faith and she got me a Bible. She got me a, a Bible journal. Uh, we went to church. We go to church every Sunday on Sundays when I have game or something and we can't go to church. She, you know, we, we would watch like sermons online and, you know, she kind of like, really helped me to focus in more on my faith, uh, led me closer to the Lord. And, you know, in our relationship, everything goes to the Lord. Like we, we never take a step outside of, of that, like going to the Lord with everything. And I think, you know, that's, that's made me stronger as a person and definitely helped me in my career and getting me to where I am. So yeah, like I said, that's, that's probably the biggest hinge moment in my life is meeting her and really, you know, growing closer to the Lord and getting to know him better. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. When we, <clears throat> when we talk about hinge moments, like when I'm talking with believers about it, it says just you and I talking, I would say like Jesus Christ, um, you know, the cross was probably the biggest hinge moment of all time because from that moment on, everything was different. Right. Yeah. Before yeah. the cross, but, you know, it was different for them, but after yeah. the cross, everything changed. Right. Um, what have you noticed about how your faith has helped professionally in, in your career and what you do? I think there's so there's times where, like, you know, things happen in my career. And uh, before I would, you know, I'll be down, I'll get on myself. But like now it's like for me, everything happens for a reason. And you know, the Lord will never put me through a situation or put me in a situation that I'm not supposed to be in. So it's everything. It's 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 happening for a reason. Like the Lord has a plan for me. This is where he wants me to be. This is how it's supposed to happen. And, you know, I've kind of just every little thing, whether good or bad, it's it's given the Lord thanks because I know that he has a plan. And, you know, eventually, whether even though sometimes it might not be on the time and I want it to be on, but his timing is more perfect than mine. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel that that like 
takes pressure off of you and your performance? Because I know your preparation still is great, but does that, well, talk about that. How does that take the pressure off you and your performance and outcome? Yeah, because I mean, you, you kind of really, you you don't really focus too much on that because you know that, you know, like I said, everything's happening for a reason, right? And obviously you want to have all good performances, but if we're realistic, like, every athlete professional athlete in their career that we've all had had bad moments at some point in our career and you know those are going to happen whether you like it or not so it kind of helps you you know not really prepare but when it does happen you always have that faith base that you can go back to and say hey you know this happened for a reason like the Lord still has a plan for me and you know I'm 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 still on path. I'm still rocking with it. And yeah. Nice. Um, one of my quotes, especially when it gets really tough is uh, sometimes I say faith isn't really faith until it's all you've got. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, faith, faith, faith is, is believing in something you can't see or you don't know what happened. So, you know, it, it your faith has got to be challenged for there to be faith. Mm-hmm. no that's awesome man with um with some of the like the national team experiences that you've had yeah. and, and they're going to have um i mean you get to play in mexico city yeah um what, why don't we start there man why don't you talk about that experience playing in um i mean you know especially on this side of the of the world i mean that yeah. is one of the places to play talk right. about that experience yeah, I mean, it was it was, you know, kind of something that I didn't really expect. Uh so obviously, you know, going to camp and there's Andre Blake. Uh but he he was hurt for that camp and you know, he didn't he didn't come and you know, once that happened, I kind of knew that hey, this was was my opportunity to really, you know, showcase myself and show the world what I can do. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was, all the preparation was good, but, you know, once you walk out in that field before warmups and you're really looking around and I'm like, wow, like this is the Azteca. And that was before, you know, all the fans were in. I was like, okay, like, yeah, you know, you walk out for warmups, <laughs> you're not there and everyone's booing and it's loud. You can't really hear yourself. It's, it's, I mean, the, it was a great experience, but also a nerve wracking experience at the same time which you know i'm I'm really happy with the experience uh playing in the azteca and you know representing my country because i've known a lot of a lot of players that you know has played at higher levels than me that probably never had the opportunity to you know have an experience like that so yeah that's you know that's an experience that i'll forever cherish and be grateful for Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website, drrobbell.com, and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. So, again, most of the people that probably listen to this. Uh, again, I mean, they're athletes, but some of them are corporate athletes, executive athletes. They don't probably understand the level that that I'm talking about, but playing there. Talk to us about that environment and even like the nerve wracking experience for you. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, 
like I said, like I I I think like let's say I'll give you an example, like during my warm up, like you know the first like four volleys, like I can't catch a ball, and I'm like, wow, like this, you know, this has never happened to me before, and you know it it it's like I mean you've probably a lot of people don't know, but Mexican supporters are probably you know oh, yeah. they'll they're yeah like. <laughs> Passion. they'll 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 let you hear it like the passion that the love they have for like soccer and their team like they'll let you hear it and you know they were letting me hear it but i think you know i've, I've kind of once i get in my element i kind of you know shot all that out and really focus on my game and focus in on what i do so that 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 trust that i have in myself and in my abilities kind of you know help with the nerves and all that a bit but yeah, it was, it was crazy. At the start, it was crazy. But once I got going, I kind of, you know, settled into it. Mm -hmm. Was that stadium, like, did you actually feel that stadium rocking? Probably. I, I <laughs> No. <laughs> Not that I remember. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about mindset then as a keeper. Yeah. Because – you can be playing really well and a goal is given up. Right. Um, let's talk about the mindset of letting go of mistakes and how do you process that and how, um, because every goal it's different than hockey where right. you know, it could be three, two, but talk about that mentality of letting go of mistakes and how you develop that throughout the years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, you kind of had, you have to have naturally. Um, I've worked with a lot of coaches that, you know, they give you a little tips on, you know, how to, like one coach would say, Hey, like always start from zero. So no matter what, like whether good or bad, like, you know, the next play, you always start from zero because, you know, you make a good save or something, you're on a high, but you, you don't want to always be on a high. Like you want to be, you know, level headed. So regardless of what happened, you always start from zero and then, uh, John Bush, which I know you, you know, very well last year, you know, he would tell me that you kind of have to have like a, 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 like a trash can pretty much. So when you make a mistake, it's like, okay, like, or I, I use it, I use the shredder. So I make a mistake. So like I put it in the shredder um, and you don't want a mistake to be followed by a mistake. So that's why you have a shredder, right? You make a mistake. you okay. Put it in the shredder get rid of it as quick as you can. And then, you know, your next play needs to be good because you don't want to be building on mistakes because that's how you, you kill your confidence. Mm -hmm. What happens, like you said, did, like were you automatically, like even growing up, did you have a short-term memory? Were you good at letting go of mistakes? Not really, to be honest. Like earlier in my career, I would always like dwell on, on, on like if I concede a goal or something, I would dwell on it because, you know, like there's always something that you can do better to prevent a goal. So when I was younger and, you know, being a goalkeeper, like, Oh, like I could have done this, like to prevent this goal or, you know what I mean? Uh, so that's something that, you know, I kind of developed over the years, like working with different coaches who's, who's been playing obviously before. And as I get more experienced and, you know, playing a lot more games, like that's not something that kind of comes with the experience and the knowledge of the game. Mm -hmm. as a keeper like what is the type of situation 
that is one of your favorite like type of saves if you don't mind me asking that is that somebody like shooting from the 18 that's got some curve on it like what is it i think <laughs> that's that's kind of hard to to uh talk about i think i mean i love all saves but for me it's 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 a game winning save right like so regardless of what kind of save it is if my team is up one nothing or it's a tied game and you know it's the last play of the game and they get a great chance and you make a big save like that's you kind of that's a big moment right like you just you just you want your team the game or you you know you saved your team from losing the game uh so i think it's more the the moment rather than the save i would say that you know kind of brings that up i think you might have just titled the podcast there man the moment (laughs) not the save but that's good (laughs) yeah um, did you have that type of moment when Pittsburgh played uh, Columbus Crew this year? Yeah, I mean they they we so in Pittsburgh we don't really give up a lot of you know chances. Uh, but I remember like the second half we were up one nothing. They had a corner, and you know kind of dropped to the guy top of the box, and he kind of hit a shot to the crowd, and I I made a save, and I was like, okay, yeah, now we're in the game, and then. I think in the 90 something minute, they were coming on us. They were, you know, putting in crosses in the box. And I went up for like two or three crosses and they didn't get a chance from them. And, you know, th- those are, those are moments too, right? It doesn't have to be a save. Like those are the actions that prevent you from even having to make a save. So yeah, there were a couple of moments in there where like, yeah, you know, you get, you get a high from those. Yeah. What, what is your favorite part of being a keeper out there? I think, you know, as a keeper, you kind of have to love, like, being in that that pressure situation, you know, because that's a position where you you win or you lose the game for your team. Like, there's no, like, going around that. And, you know, I think dealing with that pressure and, you know, helping your team win games, that's, that's something that I cherish as a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about because you're the only position that gets to see the whole field. Can you talk about like your role and how you've developed like as a leader and, and communication? Like, yeah. Your- okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, so I always say like to, to, you know, anyone asks about me and what I think about myself, I always say that for me, like I kind of have to be a natural leader on the field. Right. Because you're, like you said, you're, you're the quarterback, like you see everything. Like, so you joystick players where you want them to be within your system. Like, so leadership and communications are, you know, two key qualities that you have to have as a goalkeeper because you're seeing everything. You can prevent things from happening, right? Like if I see something's going to happen and I'm just quiet, then, you know, that's, that just makes my job twice as hard as, you know, I could have just communicated and prevent that. So, I think leadership and communications are two like key qualities that you know you need to have in in that position being a goalkeeper. Yeah. Do you notice anything about when, like, if you make a mistake, is it harder to still communicate at that time, or do you communicate even more? Um, yeah, that's so. It's 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 definitely you know harder to to communicate after a mistake, but. At the same time, that's when you, you know, you need to be communicated more, right? Like, because you need to find a way to keep yourself in the game. 
which obviously it's easier said than done. But, you know, in, in, in those moments, you kind of had to try to remind yourself, you know, keep talking, keep communicating and, you know, just keep yourself in the game. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like the mental game and where you're at, talk about what are some of those mental pieces that become even more important than the physical part of, of your role? Uh, I mean, I think your, your, your mindset, obviously, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a, a different mindset than most players. Like I always say like goalkeepers, you gotta be, you know, a little bit, a little bit crazy. Like <laughs> it's, it's just natural. I actually, I, I've, I've read an, an article the other day that someone did in England, like, you know, studying goalkeepers and it's actually like your, your brain, how it works is completely different from, you know, regular players, which mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, makes sense for the position. But I think you gotta, you gotta be a little bit crazy, but also you gotta have like, you gotta have a steady mindset, right? Because the game is, it's a game of moments. There's going to be ups and downs, but you know, you need to be on that steady level, regardless of, you know, the situation. So whether it's picking yourself up or like, bringing your back, yourself back down uh, after a big play, you know, you gotta, you gotta find ways to kind of keep you at that steady level. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like training and preparing, I always say we practice more than we actually play. Right. And yeah, you're preparing for, to prevent situations sometimes than just the actual save itself. But right. talk about the training mindset and preparation mindset and then the difference between actually playing mindset, if you can, man. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, the training mindset, you kind of, you kind of always try your best to, you know, like train as you would train, train like a game pretty much. So, you, you, you know, you're trying to make it as game-like as possible. Obviously that's, that's hard to do because every situation is different, you know, and, but I think that, you know, you got to just train with the, the mindset that, hey, you're preparing for a game pretty much because most of the times, like the actions you see in a game are stuff that, you know, you would probably prepare for in training the week before or, you know, so it's, it's they all kind of tie in together, the training mindset and the game mindset. But then I think obviously training, it's going to be more physical than than anything else. Whereas in a game, it's it's more mental, right? Because you're not really going to see that much action in a game. So it's, like I said, communicating that keeps you in the game. And then when when the play does come, like if you're communicating, if you're engaged in the game, then, you know, you'll it'll be easier to make that save or that play because, you know, like, hey, I'm here, like I'm engaged in the game. But also something that, I try to do in a game to kind of help with that is, you know, I take it 10 minutes at a time, right? Like, so, okay, 10 minutes, you might have one or two plays to make. So it's kind of, instead of just thinking 90 minutes, you think 10 minutes at a time, right? Like, how can I be my best this next 10 minutes, this next 10 minutes until you get to 90 minutes? Yeah. Segmented for sure, man. Yeah. No, I love it. You know, with that said, and I don't want to talk about him too much because he'll just say this podcast all about him, but you mentioned John Bush, right? Yeah. And I always felt one of his superpowers, 
um, you know, because he is six, six, no, I just kidding. Because he's five, six, but is, um, <laughs> is he always would approach practice like it was the world cup. You know, right. every practice was so important and he'd approach the games, you know, and he would be really dialed in his routine. Have you noticed similar traits among those? Cause you played with a lot of great players. Like, uh, what have you noticed to be a similarity between some of the greats out there in, in any position um, in terms of how they prepare? Yeah, I think it's it's like, you know, obviously playing at the highest levels, those players know that, you know, you gotta you gotta train how you play, like I said, right? Because if 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 the training is easy, then the game's gonna be hard. But if if you train harder than, you know, the game, then the game becomes that much easier. So it it, it kinda, you know, you gotta you gotta have the right attitude and mindset to go into training and know that, Hey, you know, I'm going to work hard today. And, you know, I might, I might be tired or like, you know, something thick stuff might be going on outside of your life. But, you know, once you get on that field, it's, it's, it's kind of like you forget everything. Like, you know, I'm here to train, I'm here to work hard and prepare for the weekend or midweek or whenever the game is. Mm -hmm. And so like the role that you're at and, and where you are right now, I mean, you'll be playing, you know, MLS, at some point or premier league, like I have no doubt about that. Like, where do you see the next level of your development? Where do you see it taking place? Uh, that's, that's, I mean, it's a tough question, but for me right now, I think, you know, it's, it's obviously I'm still young in my career. I'm only 25, but it's getting more playing time, like more games. Uh, and then, keep progressing to the next level right so uh, like you said like mls like what do i need to do in my game that's gonna get me to that next level right and you know every every day in training or if it's a game like those are the things that i'm focusing on developing in order to get me to that next level mm -hmm. um how about routines do routines come really important to you as a keeper either pre-game routine or in the game yeah, I mean, you kind of, uh, I, I pregame routine, not so much, right? Because I think that, you know, based on the day or based on how I'm feeling, like, I'll, I'll, I'll need like different things, right? Like, or like, let's say in terms of music, like sometimes I'm feeling like really hyped up where I just need, you know, chill music to kind of like, you know, bring that back down. Or like sometimes I might, I might need a little more you know, heavier music or, you know, something like that to kind of, you know, get me pumped up. But I think for, you know, in terms of warm up and stuff like that during the game, like I kind of try to keep that kind of stuff the same, you know, throughout because, you know, consistency is something that you want to build. So, you know, the warm ups, the pre games, all that you keep the same. But in terms of, you know, stuff leading up to the game, you know, that that kind of varies based on, you know, how I'm feeling and what I think I need. Mm -hmm. And at, um, at what point growing up too, man, were you like, you made the decision that, hey, this is going to be something I want to do? Uh, so that that decision was kind of made for me, right? So I, like growing up in Jamaica, like I played, I played a lot of sports like basketball, cricket like you know I, I ran track for a bit uh but once I went to high school and then 
I I got called up for U seventeen Jamaica camp from a so like Chelsea and Valencia and those clubs they would always have like uh camps in Jamaica. So I went to a Chelsea camp and you know the U seventeen national team coach was there and you know I kind of got called up for a U seventeen camp and that's that was the moment that I was like okay like you know I kind of got to focus now and just doing this right because you know it's just I mean U seventeen but playing for your country at any level is you know great so once that opportunity came I kind of you know focused on okay now soccer is the, the thing I'm going to do and you know yeah that's how it happened do you remember how you ended up getting that call so we like I said we we're at a like a Chelsea camp okay uh in Jamaica right and the camp was at the where the national team trains okay so the the U17 coach he was watching the camp and he came up to me you know after the camp and say hey like what's your name, what's your age, all that stuff. And, you know, he took my number down. And, I mean, I didn't really think much of it. I was like, okay, like, but, you know, once the the, the camp came and I got the call up, then I was like, okay, yeah, like, this is actually happening. So, yeah. And at that Chelsea camp, like, did you just have an amazing camp? Or was it kind of like? Yeah, I, I, I felt like I was just, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I must have yeah. for that to happen, but. You know, in, in the moment, like I said, like, I wasn't really thinking about it like that because, you know, I think like Phil Wedden from Philly said to me once, like, you always want to be like your best self because you never know, like, who's watching. Right. And like at that camp, I had no idea that that coach was watching. But, you know, I must have been obviously being my best self for me to have gotten that opportunity. Boy, that's a good quote, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's something I took with me and, you know, kind of kept it. Yeah. I remember, like, Jordan would talk about that. Michael Jordan would talk about, um, and, and maybe it was like Kobe as well, but same thing, like, playing at an away game, that might be the only time that that eight-year-old ever gets to watch it. Right. Yeah. You always say, I, I don't want this kid to see a Michael Jordan not at his best. Right. And I always thought that was that was a really great take, you know, because, you, you, again, you never know who's going to be watching. Maybe the yeah. only time you ever get to see them, you know. Right. For sure. Yeah. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today? Tune in to KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station playing nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at kukoradio.com. Uh, Jamal, what, what questions should I be asking that, that I'm not asking? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, you, you, you kind of touch, touch base on, you know, most of the stuff, the mental stuff, obviously for most people, there's a, there's a change in factor in, in your life, which, you know, you've touched on that. I mean, I don't know. You, you're the expert here. <laughs> well, that's why I kind of give you the mic and say, hey, what, what am I missing? What, what else do you want to mention here? Is there something I should be asking that I haven't asked? Uh, not, no, I don't think so. Okay. Nothing about Jamaican culture, growing up, anything? I mean, it, it's it's 
growing up in Jamaica, it was kind of like I spent most of my time really like playing in the streets with my friends. Like so like you go to school and you come home and, you know, like that's that's the first thing you go to, really. Not homework. You go you go play outside with your friends. <laughs> but yeah, the culture, it's it's it was good. I think, you know, growing up in that environment, you kind of really you really cherish the, the the little things right in life like being being with your friends you know enjoying those moments together you i uh, i grew up in a living with with most of my family so all my cousins and aunts and all of us like we live uh together so you know i grew up really in a family based environment which i think you know that was that was good for me growing up mm-hmm. well how many people are under under one roof so it, it's 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 one big like yard like land space okay. but then like there's different like houses like oh, in okay. the you know what i mean yeah 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 so we we so like me me my mom my my siblings like we lived in a house and then the next house was my aunts and you know their their children and then so forth and so forth so on yeah okay love it man yeah um Jamali, man, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing your wisdom, experience, and strength, man, when it comes to this, and obviously wish you the best. And thank you so much, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.